It launched on Monday. If you don't know what it is, it's the new would-be competitor to New Silk ZB from MediaWorks. It has Tover O'Brien on breakfast, Duncan Garner on mid-mornings, and Polly Gillespie on nights. Um, and it had a few predictable hiccups, I think, at the start. What I heard, it seems like a mostly good start, especially for Tova O'Brien, who even had some much-needed drama on her first morning. Mm, what drama was that? We had... A Winston Peters drama. So this drama went like this. Yeah, you've told my producer that you don't want to talk about Tauranga and whether you'll stand in the by-election. Is that because you haven't decided yet whether you want to stand? Um, look, you have a lovely day. No, but Mr. <laughs> Peter, Mr. Peters, are you going to stand in the Tauranga by-election? Beep, beep, beep. I'm taking, that si- I'm taking that silence as Winston Peters hanging up on me. Classic, that's Winston Peters hanging up on Tover O'Brien after she asked him about the Tauranga by-election. Now, Winston Peters almost immediately logged into Twitter after that to share a text message from O'Brien's producer where he uh, promised Winston Peters that Tover wouldn't ask him about that election. And the following day, Tover O'Brien did take responsibility for breaking that promise, saying it was her decision alone, producer not responsible, innocent, But she just did it because she didn't like politicians dictating topics to reporters. And it turns out that Winston wasn't the only one trying to pull that trick. And she had a little bit of an interesting tidbit to share on that. So this is what she had to say. And Peters isn't the only politician dictating the terms of engagement here on Tova this week. Early discussions that we had with the Prime Minister Prime Minister about doing a regular weekly slot with us had been positive. Uh, Mondays when she does her usual morning rounds, but because she didn't want to talk about just anything with us, she wouldn't come on yesterday. Yeah, so that's an interesting behind-the-scenes peek, behind-the-curtain peek into negotiations with the kind of political press handlers and what kind of demands they try to put on reporters. And it sort of begs the question whether some other media might be a little bit more amenable to these types of requests. I know, I think Morning Report has said they don't uh, offer topics or agree to topics beforehand, but, you know, the press handlers are obviously still trying it on with Tover O'Brien, so maybe they are more successful in some cases. Yeah, one word show. Do you think I should change the name of this program to Karen? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good idea. <laughs> but Winston Lately, it's Pe- so personal. <laughs> Winston Peters, he's got an uneasy relationship with the media, to say the least. So drama was always going to be on the cards, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's kind of stage managed, isn't it? It kind of feels, and this is what Tover O'Brien noted. She's like, this is classic him, you know, stir up a drama with the media, you know, uh, exploit the attention that it generates for more publicity and then carry on and get the next call. And I mean, in some ways it felt like a little bit of an induction ceremony or kind of like <laughs> him sort of saying hello to her new show, generating drama and a talking point for her first day on the job, maybe in some perverse way is doing her a favour. Tyro O'Brien's political insider status kind of means she churns out these sort of nuggets of genuinely interesting political insights into how the machine operates and it's enlightening in that way and the same could not be said in the show that follows hers the show that follows hers that'll be duncan garner's talkback slot so what happened there that's right mid-morning duncan garner uh, he kicked off Monday with some usual fears, sort of businesses lamenting the difficulties that have been facing due to, in their eyes, COVID restrictions, but I mean, possibly also, you know, just the COVID-19 outbreak itself. But I kind of want to highlight something pretty troubling from today's show. So following the Prime Minister's announcement on the end of vaccine passes and scanning, 
Duncan Garner had this to say. We're free to move on with our lives at 20,000 cases a day. I, like you, I'm a little bit confused at this. I almost feel like it's a big hoax. It almost feels like we've been played. We've been played. And boy, if I'd known that, I would have protested. That's Duncan Garner. Strange sort of thing to say. It's unclear a little bit what he's calling a hoax. COVID, probably not, because he's caught COVID. Uh, The efforts to protect ourselves from COVID, that does seem much more likely. Maybe he's talking about vaccine passes and scanning and the like, but I'm not sure quite how you'd come to the rationale that that was all pointless or a hoax when we did sort of eliminate a Delta outbreak just about and we did get 95% of our eligible population vaccinated. The sort of reasoning there seems pretty spurious, but I mean, that hoax language, it kind of seems like he's spiralling rapidly towards some pretty conspiratorial talk there. And on that last line, uh, I would have protested. Did he mean that he would join the brigade at Parliament? You know, what was he talking about? But then the really concerning stuff came a bit later when Garner took a call from a woman who started talking about vaccine boosters. And just as a warning, what you're about to hear is not uh, particularly true. This is how it went. Are we naughty? Are we naughty for that? I don't think so, because we are concerned. We are concerned. And that, that's, I am concerned about having it. So am I. You know, I know a lot of people that have had issues with their hearts through having those injections. And I heard that the next injection, the booster, is actually stronger than the last two. Who knows? That's yeah, just so the usual talkback fear, though, isn't it? Hey, it's not always accurate. No, is it? But I, I feel like I've always made an exception for COVID. Just to, for context, just a little bit earlier than that, Duncan Garner had said that he hadn't had his booster, and that's what he was referring to when he said, "Are we naughty?" I mean, I mean, some of it is just incorrect, right? And it's not like low stakes incorrect where they're talking about, you know, cycle lanes or you know some sort of part of the economy or a little bit of government spending or something. You know, this is life and death stuff. It's a pandemic. And just to clear up some of the misinformation being sort of promulgated nationwide by a mainstream broadcaster there, the booster shot isn't stronger. The research we've got shows its side effects are, you know, the same for either of the other two as for the either of the other two doses, which is to say they're nearly all mild. And I mean, I guess what's most concerning is that you have a well-known presenter telling his listeners he doesn't think he'll get a booster. And I, I to me, that's it's not standard fear. That's kind of irresponsible, especially when the recent research shows, you know, a booster will increase your protection against hospitalization from Omicron from roughly 77% for a double dose to 98%. That's pretty <laughs> significant jump. And I mean, particularly for some of his older or at-risk listeners. I mean, getting a booster could be the difference between, you know, life and death or severe illness or not. So you're saying that today today you feel we're making a bit of a foray or a right turn into magic talk territory? Well, I mean, not across the board, obviously, but this is what Peter Williams, I, I mean, he got in big trouble for this early last year, didn't he, where he sort of started broadcasting sort of anti-vax talking points on his magic talk show and he sort of told people to visit voices for freedom's website that kind of thing and i mean this is if anything a little bit more explicit than that and maybe even a little bit more concerning and it sort of runs i think directly counter to dallas gurney's insistence that today is going to offer a different style of talk back and I think I I saw a marketing image for Tova O'Brien's show earlier and it had her face and the slogan, 
a diff, uh, no, a more balanced mic, MIC, but obviously referring to Mike Hosking. You know, that's the pitch that they're making to the nation. And so before it's launched, Gurney wrote on the station's website that the station's hosts, they won't be giving in to the old talkback tricks of stoking fear or anxiety or being sensational just to make the call board light up. And I mean, the quote, you don't need more anxiety. We don't think you need us to stoke fear or create division. You've got enough of that already. Uh, we want to take all the amazing stuff talk radio is good at, like building communities and finding out answers to tough questions on your behalf while emphasizing the optimism and positivity we should have today in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a jump three days in from that to broadcasting straight vaccine misinformation that's even more sort of uh, out there than most of the stuff you'll hear on Newstalk ZB. And I'm not really sure how it fits with the strategy that Dallas Gurney's trying to evoke there. Uh, it mm. almost seems like Duncan Garner really needs to read the mission statement from his boss. Yeah, and perhaps don't believe the packaging that they put out to you in the first place. But <laughs> Maybe I'm being be. naive. You're right. You're right, Karen. Uh, you've noted that uh, this, that, uh, this isn't, isn't the only time that anti-vax sentiments have been shared sympathetically in the media recently. I'm not necessarily talking about Today FM, but you also wanted to talk about what you're calling an anti-vax PR blitz that happened over the weekend. My provocative name for it. Yeah, we did have a sort of series of stories over the weekend, mostly about sort of humanising the parliament protesters. We had something and stuff called the Faces of the Protest, which delivered details on some of the 250 people arrested at the parliament occupation. And I mean, this is probably the most unbiased and potentially useful of the lot, though it's still read as quite sympathetic to its subjects. Uh, the Herald ran something similar, but if anything, a lot more soft focus. It profiled three protesters who ran the line of their peaceful protest against mandates, was hijacked by thugs and soured by police incitement and not to be outdone stuff. Also carried a long read about ending the mandate pain, which sort of gave space for unvaccinated people to explain how mandates had, quote, ruined the magic of being a New Zealander. So why did you think that they were um, soft focus? Wasn't there very much in the way of scrutiny when it came to what they were saying? Yeah, not really. I think, it, you know, especially I think I remember it quite vividly, but the parliament protests you might do too, you know, it sort of ended quite badly, right? And sort of a, a storm of fire and violence, rocks being thrown at police, that sort of thing. And this sort of, these stories sort of seem like almost safe spaces for these subjects to present their version of events virtually unchallenged and kind of to rewrite the narrative and kind of, it's like a it's like a image rehabilitation interview set up by a PR company almost, and it meant a few questionable claims sailed by. I mean, for instance, he had that Christchurch real estate agent, uh, Brendan Shefford, and he was, uh, I think, in the Herald story, and he described the protest as moving and peaceful, and he blamed its eventual descent into violence on thugs that showed up at the end. I mean, in fact, footage shows it was protesters who lit the initial fires on Parliament's lawn. And as the commentator Morgan Godfrey wrote on Twitter, I mean, all these supposedly peaceful protesters, they walked by a tree with a noose on it and speakers bloviating about Jacinda or hanging politicians and mock trials. I mean, even if they were just hanging out at the free food tent, they must have at least suspected there was a bit of a dark side to proceedings. And there was other stuff like a property developer Ben Visser was profiled by staff and noted that he's no conspiracy theorist himself and sort of just moved on. That feels like a claim that needs interrogating because even if he presents as a normal, sensible person, he still decided not to take a vaccine that will stop him being hospitalized by a virus that's now killed 6 million people. 
So he's choosing to put himself at greater risk of COVID infection and the growing list of long-term health issues that the disease has proven to cause in order to avoid taking a medicine that's been administered safely to billions of people worldwide. And that's a pretty weird thing to do. And to get to that place, you have to sort of be taking some pretty spurious information on board. And a lot of that information is going to be from places that are at least conspiracy adjacent. I don't think that's being interrogated enough. We've got a misinformation and disinformation crisis that we're letting people uh, kind of paper over and present in a kind of glossy PR way. Right. So, so basically you think that these stories were a bit credulous. Yeah, I'd say credulous. Uh, a lot of claims are taken at face value and printed verbatim. There was some pushback on stuff like someone said that tear gas was used by police in the protest. It wasn't. The thing is that these stories are a bit galling for people. And I thought the Herald journalist Keith Ng kind of articulated why quite well. And he wrote, these stories go out of their way to recognize the pain felt by these anti-vax protesters without really acknowledging the feelings that they provoke in others. And in his eyes, that includes, you know, betrayal, over the sense that these people are undermining this great national effort to combat COVID for what are spurious or unexplained reasons. So when you see a story that glosses over or unquestioningly accepts their stance without criticism, it can kind of stick in the craw. Uh, but Eng also speaks of a sense of provocation of this kind of relatively ubiquitous belief among even the more reasonable anti-mandate crowd that those that get the vaccines and comply with the COVID restrictions and take care are stupid or cowardly or weak or blindly obedient sheeple and that they're the smart ones, the brave ones and the ones who are free. Right, so you're saying that there's, a, there's an underlying resentment that comes from the notion that these protesters are getting a disproportionate amount of sympathy. Yeah, I, th I think so, and especially given other people don't get the same grace. So legitimate vaccinated people they've been excluded in historic ways it's worth noting it's a story for sure but on that front there are others who are excluded who don't get the same amount of recognition and i, I want to acknowledge breakfast this morning for something i believe has been all too rare during the pandemic and they gave space to a girl with type 1 diabetes a man with a heart condition and a woman with cancer to speak of their anxiety about dropping vaccine mandates and other COVID restrictions so we talk a lot about the loud minority of unvaccinated people being excluded, but we speak less about these people who are made unsafe by COVID outbreaks and by reducing restrictions. And uh, we don't speak about cancer patients all that much or unvaccinated children or disabled folk, and they don't get series of full-page spreads in the Sunday papers to express their fears or their feelings of isolation. They don't get reporters knocking down their door to broadcast their problems to the nation. And maybe that's because those problems are a little bit more mundane and we just accept them as part of everyday life. Or maybe it's because they're not as loud about it. But it must be pretty galling, right? <laughs> because yeah, they just, don't have a choice. They don't have a choice like an anti-vaxxer does. They can't yeah. pop down to the pharmacy to get rid of their tumour or their disability in the same way.